Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. I love discovering wonderful new artists in new places. I guess that Kerry Patrick Clark is not really a new artist, but he's new to me. Discovered Webley as I was searching out possible musicians to be my Song of the Soul guest during my week-long sojourn in Toledo, Ohio in July of 2018. It's been my practice to conduct my interviews before a live audience during this annual Quaker gathering called Friends General Conference, FGC. All that to say that it turns out that Carrie was already scheduled elsewhere during the first week of July, so I fell back on Plan B, interview him by Skype. Carrie Patrick Clark not only does great music of the folk or singer-songwriter genre, but he does it with clear spiritual depth and sensitivity, not surprising, perhaps, since he also serves the Maumee United Methodist Church, just west of Toledo, as their director of contemporary music. You're in for a treat. Carrie, it's great to have you here today for Song of the Soul. It's cool to be here. Thanks. We're doing this via Skype, although I was hoping to interview you face-to-face at the Friends General Conference gathering in July. Very convenient that you decide to skip town that week. Yeah, don't take that personally, Mark. (laughs) Sorry, I make myself laugh a lot. (laughs) Well, as they say, (laughs) laughter is the best medicine, and, and I'd add that it can keep you sane. But also, I'd say that music is among the best medicine, and that's why I have you here for A Song of the Soul. Since I was going to spend a week in Toledo, I figured I'd look up some local musicians, and I stumbled upon this Kerry Patrick Clark guy, who I didn't know was such a jokester. But I've listened to some of your songs, and there are a lot of them, and I decided to invite you on. You've got an excellent library of musical production When did you start in the direction of being a singer-songwriter? I loved music growing up. I I was always drawn to it. John Denver and Harry Chapin and Gordon Lightfoot and, you know, those guys that played guitars. used to strum a tennis racket out on the front porch in Mason, Michigan, of the old ranch house that we lived on in Hall Boulevard. And the dandelions would all watch me, and they loved it. (laughs) And so when when we moved down to Toledo or or Sylvania, I didn't know that my father played the guitar. My mother got my dad a guitar out of a JCPenney catalog, and it was a a K guitar. I still remember it was a black guitar and had K-A-Y on the headstock, a K guitar. And she spent maybe $50 for it. And back in those days, that was a lot of money for my sort of lower middle class family. She pulled this out and gave it to my dad. And, of course, my dad picks it up and starts playing. And all these questions are flying out of my brain. How do you know how to play? And how come I didn't know about this? And so the story sort of got pieced together in my amazement of my dad, who I didn't know played this instrument, and I want to learn how to do that. And then also the story of my father selling his guitar to buy a ring for my mom. 
which was just such a sweet story. Yeah, so it was that was the inspiration, and and my dad taught me my first three chords, and during concerts and, and programs now, I tell people I still use them. <laughs> Probably the same three chords I started with D, G, and C. Were those yours? Well, yeah, mine were C, F, and G, and F was a hard one for a, a fifth grader. F was a hard one. Yeah, that F is a bit challenging. I used to play guitar, but it's been a long time in part because of rheumatoid arthritis symptoms in my wrists. So I was thrilled when I found out my son was interested in learning guitar. So I showed him D, G, C, A, E, and a few minors got him started. Now he's far surpassed anything I ever did on the guitar. Oh, isn't that great? So fantastic. In any case, Carrie, you've been making loads of music for decades now, and I haven't quite found out how many recordings you've released. A lot, I think. I have eight of them now. So how did you get launched into a life of music making? What was your path to becoming a professional musician? Well, I, I during high school, I got hired as a full-time entertainer at a Holiday Inn Lounge in a little town outside of Toledo. And Legally, I wasn't allowed to be there. I don't know how they skirted the laws, but I was grateful for it. And so I would sing nine to one o'clock in the morning and, you know, doing all the stuff that was on the radio and, and the folk music that I grew up listening to as well. The Billy Joels and the Harry Chapins and all the those guys that I mentioned before, but but also Neil Diamond. I mean, just these sweet Caroline, just fun stuff. And then somewhere in the midst of that, you know, the songs in my heart or the songs I was singing didn't really help me understand. And here, so let me back up. The truth is, you know, when, when I started playing the guitar, something happened in my heart and it felt like I was home. And when I played music, all was right in the world. And this conversation, like the guitar was a conduit that helped this conversation between my head and my heart, which is the emotive, the emotional center and the thought center, right? And sometimes I think a lot of issues that we have as humans are this disconnect that we have between the conversation between our head and our heart. And so that's what music was for me. And so flash forward a handful of years and I'm writing my own music because I was trying to understand this disconnect or the things that I was feeling that I couldn't explain, or the things that I understood that I couldn't feel. And, you know, to really simplify the conversation, that's when the songwriting happened. And the songs were really crappy. <laughs> As you would imagine a high school kid, you know, they're all about love or wanting to be included or, or wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard and valued. All those kind of angst songs. <laughs> Isn't there at least one song from that initial period still worth showing off at least once in a while? No, there's really not. I remember the first song I ever wrote, or I, I remember a, the chorus of the first song I ever wrote, and it was called Circus Town. I was in the sixth grade. Circus town, oh, circus town, surely I will go. Circus town, oh, circus town, there is a big, big show. I mean, it was just horror. <laughs> just really, really lousy song. But my sixth grade music teacher, sort of on my journey, you know, there have been angels along the way. My sixth grade music teacher, Mary Burson was her name. She, she unbeknownst to me, she, she sent the song away to be copywritten. And in those days, you know, there wasn't any online I got this official government paper, this thick government parchment back with an official seal on it. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. 
this thing was the coolest thing. And she presented this to me saying, I copywrote your song and you own it. And it was just the coolest thing. So, you know, she was, anyway, it's like, see my story. I told you my stories can get long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that means that we should get into actually hearing some of the great music you've made, maybe even up above the bar of Circus Town. How should we start out your song of the soul? Listen, you should play my hit song. You should play In a Perfect World because that was on the seventh CD and we found a promoter out of Nashville. Uh, Bill Wentz is his name, who listened to the song and he went, oh my gosh, that's a hit song. Let me promote this for you. And I tried to talk him out of it. (laughs) And I tried to talk him out of it because the song was written like in 10 minutes, which doesn't happen for me because I tend to analyze and agonize over every lyric to make sure they're weighted and they mean something that I'm trying to say. And so this song just sort of flowed out of me after a long head-heart conversation. And it was the number one folk song of 2014. It was on the charts for about 30 weeks that year, and it was number one for 17 of those weeks. Here is Kerry Patrick Clark's personal blockbuster, In a Perfect World. In a perfect world, there'd be no black or white, be no shadows long, there'd be no darkest night. Shades of gray and an endless world That's what it would be like In a perfect world In a perfect world There'd be no need for wars For preemptive strikes and conflicts Just a door from one log Was hewn that the woodsmen Say you'll never see 
Carrie Patrick Clark here today for Song of the Soul, bringing us In a Perfect World. Carrie joins us from the Toledo High region, which is maybe where he got his first intimations of what a perfect world might be like. <laughs> you know, Carrie, I had the idea that this is kind of an update on John Lennon's Imagine. Lennon was reacting to the 50s and the 60s, the late 60s in particular, whereas you are reacting to a later version of the world. What events were particularly inspiring to your vision of a better world? Well, I'm expressing a lot of things that are happening in our world or were happening in our world back in 2014. Black Lives Matter movement was happening and You know, in a perfect world, there would be any black and white, no shadows long, no dark of night. There'd just be shades of gray in an endless swirl. That's what it would be like in a perfect world. And I remember those lyrics, which, you know, I tend to not during interviews because the pressure's on. And and I remember them because I remember sitting down asking myself, well, what does a perfect world look like? And so, okay, let's be honest. I mean, we don't live in a perfect world. And there again is that head-heart conversation. My head looks at the headlines every day and with our current administration sees the craziness that is happening. And before people tune out, I'm not suggesting anything here other than there is a greater separation in our country than I think we've ever felt. What I hope my music does is bring people together with the things that we can agree on. Because, listen, it wasn't too long ago before we sat on our front porch, we knew each of our neighbors' names, and we knew each of our neighbors' needs. And if we had a need, we had such a relationship with them, whether we were Republican or Democrat and they were opposite or whatever this divide was, nothing was higher than taking care of each other because we knew that we lived together and that's the community that we chose to create. And so that's what my music speaks to is is to the that community and that it's still possible even though we're all raising fists and raising anger in Facebook posts or 140 character tweets, you know. And yet as soon as you name any particular like you say no need for war or for preemptive strikes in the song right away you know there is someone who's going to take offense and be shouting you down, blaming you for being provocative, no matter how thoughtful and considerate your opinion is. Boy, you know, I struggle with that all the time. I don't think I've done anything provocative. Probably the most provocative thing I've done is to serve indigenous peoples or underserved communities in the world. I mean, orphanages in Russia the Native Americans in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I mean, things like that where I let my actions speak louder and take my guitar, man. I'm, I'm hiking the Grand Canyon with a guitar and people are looking at me like, really? And I had a guy stop me and we were on the way down. You know, it's an eight mile hike. It takes, depending on how healthy you are, it's a, and by the way, we were taking some boys down. There were 13 of us that were hiking to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and serving the community, the Havasupai people that live down there. And I'm hiking down. The first mile is the worst because it's straight down and they switch backs. And I had three hikers stop me and look at my guitar and went, seriously? And I smiled and I said, yeah, seriously, it's that important. It's that important that I take an extra 10 pounds on my pack because I know the power that music has in bringing people together and bridging divides. 
Absolutely. Music can be amazingly transformative, amazingly connective. So how about we continue on the way to further bridging and connecting by sharing another of your tunes? Sure. Well, the next song is from the same album, which is of the title In a Perfect World, uh, is the album that came out in 2014 or anyway, whenever it came out. (laughs) uh, Well, online, I found out it came out in 2013, if you want to be a little perfect. Oh, thank you. It charted in 2014. That's why I get confused. You know, I'm blonde, so you got to give me give me some grace here. In a perfect world, we were, my family was heading to uh, Chama, New Mexico, which is 9,000 feet up in the mountains of New Mexico for a family vacation. And that's when the, the, another school shooting happened in uh, Connecticut. I'm in this church where half of the service was in English and the other half of the service was in Spanish. And they were reading out, I didn't know they were going to do this, but they started reading the names of the kids that were killed and ringing the church bell. And every time that bell rang, it's like I sunk deeper into the, the sadness in my heart. And by the end of the list of names and the bell tolling, I was in a puddle on the ground, just bawling my eyes out. My son, who was, you know, he was probably 12 at the time, had never, I don't think he'd ever seen his father fall apart like that. And he's got his hand on my shoulder and goes, Dad, what's wrong? And I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell him that kids your age have just been murdered, and that's wrong in my world. And so I have a choice. I have a choice to go protest and try to change gun laws, or I can use my music to elevate the conversation. And that's what I did, and that's what this song is all about. Another River Runs. Another 
friends, hometown, everybody's sorrow. This is everybody's now. Let another river run and carry hope the change will come. The shores will save each little. It's a face familiar. It's our enemy. Powerful and powerfully sad, maybe motivating song by Carrie Patrick Clark, and important to the song of the soul that he is sharing today. You know, Carrie, that is exactly the kind of song I suspect will get you some pretty strong reactions, both pro and con, from different segments of the population. Anyone ever come at you pretty antagonistically after you played that one? Yeah, absolutely. And and when I have those conversations, I say, you know, at the same time that those school shootings, when that song was written, there was a hurricane that just came through the southern part of the United States, Louisiana, and the waves of weaponry... <laughs> isn't necessarily about guns. It's also about these storms that are being created. So, you know, you can look at this in a couple different ways. And so let me back up and say that I try to write really intelligently. And I think there can be a couple meanings. There's a surface meaning and there's, there's an underlying meaning. A lot of times in my songs, I'm not very prolific as a songwriter, I think because of that. Yeah, it takes a long time to write a song and to, to again analyze and agonize every over every syllable and every word. So the meaning makes sense, but it also sings correctly, if that makes sense. But you know, the pushback that I get, people know my heart generally, as we're we're in this conversation in this interview, I think you get a sense that I'm fairly authentic and I'm pretty real. And so if you're offended, give me the gift of letting me know that you're offended. And then I get to ask or not. And I choose to ask, please explain that to me so I can apologize better. Because generally speaking, you know, people aren't really offended by me or something I have written. They're offended because it tweaks a memory or a trigger for them. And if I yell back or I point a finger back, that only escalates the argument and divides us more. Where if I, and, and again, this is like, you know, somebody has to be big enough to say, please help me understand, and maybe we can come to an understanding. So if we get to the point of the conversation that you're really offended because this triggers something for you, then the world is a healthier place because of that. So Kerry Patrick Clark does his part to make the world a healthier more healed place, and that's what we try to do in the world for Song of the Soul, which is part of Northern Spirit Radio, our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thirteen years of broadcasting to heal the world with inspirational and educational voices through storytelling, music, and spirituality, and Carrie Patrick Clark is a perfect example of that. 
on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You can listen to and download all those programs, comment on them, order CD copies of the programs, and there's a place to donate to Northern Spirit Radio. And we completely depend on your donations to support us rather than selling ourselves to corporations or the government. But before supporting us, start by supporting your local media, especially your local community radio station. They are an independent and community-centric voice, and there's way too little of that with the 90% plus of our media in the U.S. owned by just six corporations. So support community first. But now, back to you, Carrie, and thanks for being patient as I cued in our listeners who may have tuned in midstream. I assume, Carrie, by the way, that you must have some independent and or community radio stations locally. Actually, just down the road, we have a Spanish-speaking station that we act, we support. Actually, one of our family foundations is is supporting that station, and then we also have NPR stations here. And so there's a there's a handful of Christian like Catholic radio and some church-run Christian programming stations around around me. I'm glad to hear that you've got the local stations. And coming back to the songs you shared. I note that most of what you selected for today's Song of the Soul is from your In a Perfect World recording, and given all of the CDs you could have selected from, it must be something of the perfect recording, since I think your next selection is also from it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it did pretty well. I think it, it got in the top ten. It's a, it's a song called That's the Thing About Love. Stop 
your back And may the Father hold And help you To find in each The things you like There'll be ups There'll be downs You'll get dizzy spinning round There'll be times you've had enough There'll be fast There'll be slow Carrie Patrick Clark song, That's the Thing About Love. Carrie's here today for Song of the Soul. Was this your advice to yourself going into marriage or directed to someone else? Well, actually, I wrote this for a middle son, Matthew, that's the only one of our three boys that is married, has been married for four years and or five years now and given us two beautiful grandchildren, a little granddaughter and, and grandson, which we were, oh my gosh, I remember older friends saying, you know, wait till you have grandkids. That's even better than kids. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I get it now because, you know, when you're done with them, you take them home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like a grandparent to get them wound up on sugar and ship them back to the parents. Okay, that's the part that people are going to raise their voices about. That that Carrie talked about taking... Anyway. <laughs> but I, I uh, that was a song I wrote for my son and daughter-in-law because I... That's just like, listen, if you're going to learn something, here's what it is. There certainly are a lot of songs all about the raptures of love. And I certainly do love the rapture part. But what's proved more valuable to my wife and me is the process that we committed to. We adopted Imago Relationship Therapy process right at the start of our marriage 24 years ago. And it certainly has served us well, not only having the passion and hormones, but having a way to work things through after the swooning passes. Well, I think that was the point of the song, not only for my son, but for anybody who would use this at a wedding, because it is a perfect wedding song. Listen, at some point, the gaga, the, the puppy love stage is over and love becomes a choice. The choice is easy because you you allow somebody into your heart and you have intimacy and you and and by when I say intimacy I yes I'm talking about that but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about those moments where you look into somebody's eyes and you just see much deeper into their being than uh, you know we normally do with people at the gas station for example and so I wrote that song for the moment where the puppy love stage ends and my son is going to be going. Oh, well, this is new. <laughs> well, that's right. And by the way, I framed the lyrics and gave them as a wedding gift to my kids and said, you know, and they're hanging on their wall because I knew at one point the wisdom that these lyrics contain, they're going to be on that wall. Not every married couple has the father-in-law, father speaking words of wisdom from the walls of their house. <laughs> well, one of the other things I learned about you rummaging around on the interwebs is that you are the director of contemporary music at the Maumee United Methodist Church. Director of contemporary music, does that mean you have the full rock band, cutting-edge, lake-breaking music? 
Well, it's amazingly new, and it is some of the old hymns, but done in sort of a, a new way. So Amazing Grace, for example, is a great example, because there's a guy named Chris Tomlin who's sort of the standard songwriter for contemporary singable and playable Christian music today, and we use a lot of Chris Tomlin stuff, and he wrote a chorus to Amazing Grace, because if you remember the lyrics, there isn't a chorus in Amazing Grace. When John, what the heck was his name that wrote that song? He was a slave ship captain, and he's halfway across with a a ship full of slaves, and God got to his heart, and he turned the ship around and let the slaves go, let the captives free, and wrote that song. So Chris Tomlin took that song and added a modern chorus, My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free. And so that's the type of stuff that we sing. But I I hate the title of, it sounds too formal, the director of contemporary music. I'm really the, I'm the praise music dude. Praise music (laughs) dude. That sounds like excellent curriculum vitae verbiage. Pretty much captures your essence, huh? And also a a traveling singer, songwriter, folk guy that, you know, used to be with the new Christy Minstrels and works with Martin Guitars and has a number one folk song. I mean, that sounds egotistical, and that really is more about me celebrating what my Father in Heaven has done with the, the gift of this music than it is about me. Then I guess it's pretty much your duty as the church's praise music dude to pass on some more gifts of music to our listeners. What's next for your song of the soul? There's a, a sweet man speaking about church. There's a sweet man at church that had cancer, and I don't know when the right time to go is, but he was too young. He was probably 70 years old, and cancer took a hold, and it was a long, you know, horrible, as often those stories can be or are. And I just was really moved that this man worked in the background of church because it's so opposite of what I do. I, I work to be seen and to be heard and, and, and to be noticed. And, and I, I mean that, yes, with an ego attachment, but I also mean that without an ego attachment because I have a job to do and my job puts me in, in front of people, whether it's at the church or traveling around as, as a singer-songwriter guy. Anyway, Bob passed away, and I was taking a look at his life, sort of looking at my life, going, what, what do I want to leave? Well, I know what Bob modeled for me. Bob modeled for me a simple legacy, and so that's where the song came from. It's called A Simple Legacy. That's just life, some will say, from the cradle to the grave. It's now you play the game. I guess I'm wired differently Let me share what I believe And learn from you Live your life So each moment, Sean Love has laid Your cornerstone Where you built And you sowed the seed Of a simple Tough. 
Did you hold the ones you love A little more than just enough moments shown Love has laid your cornerstone Where you built and you sowed the seed of a simple legacy of your simple Simple Legacy, written and performed by Carrie Patrick Clark. Website, carriepatrickclark.com. But of course, the link is on nordenspiritradio.org, along with links to all of our guests of the past 13 years. Carrie joins us from Toledo, Ohio, in the area of a burg called Mommy. What a beautiful song, Carrie. Oh, man, thanks so much, Mark. A sweet song, and it sounds like it was inspired by a sweet, special man from your congregation. Yep, he was. I get the idea that your congregational work includes the wide range of ministry, not just music leadership. Do you do a lot of other stuff there as well? Well, I do that, but not because that's part of my job. My job is a part-time, hardly even part-time, a handful of hours a week to practice with the band, communicate with the praise band, and, you know, make sure they're okay. It's a small group. Let's, uh, that's sort of a catchphrase now in, in a lot of churches is get congregants in a smaller group because they know that's where the real, real ministry can happen. And so in that way, I lead this small group called the Fountain of Truth Band at Maumee United Methodist. And, and so I communicate, I pick out songs, I go to meeting about worship planning, and then I lead the worship. We've sort of developed this let Carrie lead mentality because I'm, I tend to be plugged into spirit and have this sense of where the congregation is and, and where I feel like God is inviting us to go. And I, I never plan for this stuff. It just happens. And my wife and I were walking this morning, and I, we have this question that we, it's a check-in that we do every morning. How are you mentally, physically, and spiritually? And so mind, body, and soul, mind, body, and spirit. And my spirit went back to our service on Sunday where God showed up for me big time in a couple of ways. And the things that I prayed for felt called to pray for that became part of the pastor's sermon. Right, And then the pastor ended with a prayer that had the lyrics of the last song that we sang, 
And he does he doesn't know this is a brand new song. We've never sung this song as a special or in our church. And so, you know, it was like, oh man, see, that to me is God just kind of nodding and winking, saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I'm sensing what some might see as dynamic tension in these roles. I mean, how do you get the time off and necessary sleep to be a praise music dude on Sunday morning after living the life of a wanton hedonistic folk musician strumming your guitar well past midnight on Saturday? Aren't you ever tempted to sleep in on Sunday mornings? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I take Sundays off when I'm when I'm touring or traveling. The church has been gracious to give me a little more time or a lot more time, depending on, you know, because I feel like that's where God is calling me because my ministry is, if I can use those terms in folk music world, that's where I feel called. And listen, this is nothing new. You know, Jesus told parables. Those are stories that we're still talking about 2,000 years later, trying to figure out what they mean. And I think the reason those stories were told was not for us to figure out collectively what they mean, but was for us to take a look at our situation in our life and in the stories in the Bible and figure out what they mean in this moment for us. Because those meanings in those stories change, given our understanding, awareness, or our limitations, or the things that we're struggling with. Well, what I'm struggling with right now is how to get in all the musical storytelling that you've picked out. So maybe you can share another song right now? Oh, well, this is a great story. Brighton Boulevard is really a conversation with fear. And if you ask yourself that question, if I had a conversation with fear, what would that look like? This was my answer to that. Bell rang. Welcome to the party. I'm surprised you came. No, I'm glad you're here. Can I take your coat and hat? I got ones that look like that. I have not tried them on in years.
catch myself still humming it. It's funny how you always found me wrong. I said, Younger, you said, Crazy kid. I said, A wonder, you said, You never live. And you wrapped your walls of worry around my heart. I said, Let go, you said, I'll keep you safe. I said, Oh, That there's no escape till a dead dream to your dark. by Carrie Patrick Clark, website carriepatrickclark.com, our Song of the Soul guest today. The dialogue in that song feels very personal. The, the story sounds very personal and real. Is this the retelling of your actual experience or of someone you know? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there's it's a reference to a town and a, and a street in Michigan. That's as close as it gets. <laughs> it sure sounds like the real deal, a real conversation, as if very real thoughts were being dictated. Well, the conversation is, absolutely. And, you know, I agree with you. It is an internal conversation, but it also depends on where the person is in their in their walk. And I mean, I don't necessarily mean their faith journey, but I do mean their faith journey. I just mean their awareness, their walk and awareness. Because sometimes we're so caught up, in guys especially, we're just so caught up in our own stuff that we're not able to see. And so we have folks that come along to invite us or we get to ask questions. What is this? Man, this is going on for me. Is this going on for you? Right. And so ultimately this conversation hopefully leads to an internal dialogue that somebody has with whatever their faith journey looks like or their belief center and, and ultimately is an internal dialogue. Again, I'm sorry not to get to meet you face to face on my visit to Toledo, but I do think that you've given me and our listeners the musical riches that I figured I'd encounter while there. But perhaps you can pick out at least one more song to share for your Song of the Soul? 
Well, that's I, I think this is perfect. It's pass it on. It's it's sort of the as as I look at my life, I'm 54 years young or old. And again, I say that on purpose because it feels like half my time I'm looking back and just smiling at the memories or sad at the choices I made and also still feel like I, I'm young enough and have energy enough to look forward to incredible things and possibilities and plans and one thing that I love to do more than anything is to pass on all this to my kids. But when our third son was born, Robbie, who is my only biological child in, in our marriage, this is the song that came out of that moment for me. It's called Pass It On. My daddy left. My mama cried. I was a little baby. It's a boy Here's my son My daddy held me in his two rough hands To show to everyone He said I am the proudest dad in the world He said the story sometimes changes Never will these words pass it on Father once said to me, I'll say to you, my son, it all starts here. The kingdom comes. We are family, we pass it on. Daddy laughed, you wanna play guitar? Said I was the captain of the football team before helmets had those bars. So I've played CYO. I think I made the final game with the minute left to go. Hoping I would make my daddy proud. Tackle. It wasn't in the crowd. Pass it on. Pass it on. What your grandfather once said to me. City, my son, it all starts here. Pass it on, pass it on, you can always change. 
change your story we'll stop it when you want it all starts here to kingdom comes we are family we pass it on Last song from Carrie Patrick Clark for today's Song of the Soul, Pass It On. I heard a whole lot of intergenerational growth there, the whole cycle of fumbling through the awkward start of a union to filling in the family to passing it on to the next generation, a whole lot of growth and arriving. I hope that's what it's intended to convey, Carrie. Oh, absolutely. I think I think getting married helps guys pull their rear ends or their heads out of their rear ends. <laughs> and then being a father requires a guy to be really present. And I think that's a huge for me in my life as I look at me in my life that was that has been one of my biggest teachers. Well, it's been so enjoyable being taught by you today on many different levels. And I have to admit to an extra measure of delight at having such a splendid mix of folk singer and spiritual storyteller. I'm leaving this visit so very enriched and even more excited about visiting your stomping grounds around Toledo, knowing a great example of the kind of good and vibrant stock that grows there. You've blessed all of us, and I thank you, Carrie. I'm so glad. Thanks so much. Today's Song of the Soul guest was Carrie Patrick Clark from the Toledo area. Track him down on carriepatrickclark.com, but perhaps even easier to follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. I hope that Carrie and I added some heart and light to your day, and I'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.